Ray Elliott here. This is episode four of What's the Story. Not that it really matters, because it's the last one. But if you want to make sense of this train wreck, just start from the beginning, episode one, back when this show actually had some promise. Where were you when you realized everything in your life was a lie? Me? I was working in an office. The same soul-crushing office where I got the idea for this show. I had come crawling back to the very fact-checking job I had quit. Turns out, celebrity gossip magazines always have openings for gluttons for punishment. And, truth be told, I was fine with it. My savings and my spirit were totally spent after just three episodes of this podcast. I had mounting studio costs and demanding colleagues to pay. Plus, I needed to reckon with the fact that my project had failed. So, I put on my noise-canceling headphones. This time, not to listen to podcasts, but to sit in silence. And coldly examine my personal shortcomings. It didn't take long for me to reach a conclusion. One day, last week, a story came across my desk. It was a Q&A with Ira Glass. He was talking about how the next big entertainment stars won't be from just TV and film, but from podcasting, too. Then I saw something that made my heart begin to race. It was Ira Glass. He was saying, there's this really great fictional podcast called What's the Story? It's sort of like my show, This American Life, but as a workplace comedy. I couldn't believe it. My hero had just name-dropped my show. But he also completely misunderstood it. I had to do something. But what? Then it suddenly occurred to me. I was a fact-checker. I was on the side of truth. And though I may have downplayed their importance before, facts do matter. Especially when the fact of the matter is that my show was real. All too real sometimes. So when my boss asked me, what's the story with that podcast article? I tore off my headphones, stood up and said, what's the story? I'll tell you the story. It's a goddamn lie and we can't publish it. My boss called over the writer and editor. And just as I was gearing up for a heated argument, they agreed to cut the quote. They said it wasn't important anyway. But they were wrong about that too. It was important. Important that this show be remembered for the train wreck that it is, not as Zyra Glass's favorite podcast sitcom. So, without further ado, let's begin the final, most truthful episode of What's the Story? <laughs> This is What's the Story, a show about searching for the best version of the truth. Welcome to the remaining minutes of What's the Story? I'm your soon-to-be former host, Ray Elliott, and I'm joined by what's left of my once unenviable team of reporters, Phil O'Malley and Blair Clemens. Buck up, old boy. We still have a show to get through. Wow, you're not even gonna troll me on this last episode? I'm a new man. I've seen the light. And her name is Destiny. (laughs) 
You know there's no such thing as destiny, Blair. I've learned that the hard way. Come on, young man. Nihilism doesn't suit you. We'll see how you feel once you stare destiny in the face. Well, I'm pretty sure Ray just did, and you know what? He didn't fall for it. He knew that Ira Glass, quote, only represented false hope. That really wasn't it, Phil. I, I just realized podcasting isn't for me, and if I'm going to get anything out of this experience of doing the show, it's going to be owning up to the truth of my failure. I'm done pretending this works. Don't give up so quickly, old boy. Wait and see what Destiny has in store for you. Psh, more false hope. That's what. I really don't know what you're talking about, Blair, but I have a feeling we're going to find out eventually, so let's just get on with things. No rush. You have all the studio time you need today. Oh, right. I forgot. The real reason we're doing this last episode is so Mike can turn it in as his master's thesis. Thanks, buddy. Anyway, let's just pretend this episode is about something. So uh, today on What's the Story, we ask, what's the story with the truth? Well, that's all you'll be getting from me, the God's honest truth. Not that there is a God or any force controlling us. Right, got it, Phil. Um, so let's uh, turn to our next segment, which, uh, believe it or not, comes from Stacy. Nothing? No snarky comments, Blair? No lustful breathing, Phil? I'm taking a break from romance, Ray. I'm trying to get my head on straight. You know, I was awfully tough on that poor woman. So nice of you to all get along now, when it doesn't even matter. Anyway, here's Stacy telling us what she's been up to since leaving the show, and what truths she's found from her experience, I guess. As you all know by now, I'm the artist formerly known as Stacy Torch, the singer whose short-lived career was undone by a viral video. After word got out that I had resurfaced on this podcast, and that, well, thanks to Phil's expose, there was more to my story than just a botched live performance, I was expecting the media requests to start pouring in. It wasn't hard to imagine going on Ellen to tell the story of how I was victimized by the recording industry and my husband before pulling off a redemptive performance in front of an audience of cheering moms. Our next guest already has over 200 million streams online. I'm just a girl. Surely then I would be offered a book deal for my ghost-written memoir, and eventually it would all lead to another record contract, and the chance to finally make the album I was always meant to make. But I was wrong. The only requests that poured in were in the form of obscene YouTube comments, as the video of my epic fail continued to go even more viral. It was clear that people just weren't interested in seeing me become a serious musician, they enjoyed the idea of me being a joke too much. So I turned to Simone, my one source of support throughout all this, to figure out my next steps. And that's when she said something that changed everything. She said, Stacy, it's too bad you don't get a nickel every time someone watches that YouTube video. You'd have enough by now to do whatever you wanted. It really made me think. Aren't I entitled to royalty payments? And how come I'm not getting any? But no sooner had this dawned on me than a check from my ex-husband appeared in the mail, along with a note of apology. He said he had been secretly hoarding the money I was entitled to, thinking I would never notice, 
just like I would never figure out that he had purposefully planned for me to get booed on live television. But the guilt was mounting on him, so much so that he was having panic attacks. That's when he decided to go on the meditation retreat, where he met Phil, whose passion for the truth convinced him to fess up. I couldn't believe it. I was so touched that my ex-husband finally decided to do the right thing that I quickly called him to say thanks. But that's when it became clear this was all just another ploy. He immediately tried to convince me to embrace my negative public persona and become Stacy Torch again. So what if people think you're a manufactured protest singer who got what she deserved and made you famous? Now imagine the attention you'll get when you release the new protest song I've written for you. All love matters. He went on to explain how the backlash would create such a media spectacle that I could end up being bigger than Beyonce. But I stopped him right there. I may have been naive about politics in the past, but I'm woke now. And I know when something is problematic. So I told him flat out that his whole idea was offensive because no one, and I mean no one, will ever be bigger than Queen Bey. Feeling satisfied that I had made the conscionable decision, I hung up. Then looking down at that royalties check, I realized Simone was right. I could do whatever I wanted now. And what I wanted more than anything was to escape this crazy world of viral videos and just settle down into a simple, peaceful life. So I used the royalty money to move Simone and me out of the city and bought a coffee shop for her to run. As for me, sometimes I perform for the moms who come in with their kids. To them, I'm not some internet meme. I'm just the lady who sings the wheels on the bus. No more judgment. I've found my truth. I'm in my happy place. The wheels of a bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. The wheels of the bus go round and round all day long. That was truly lovely. Good for her. She is really turning into a Zora Neale Hurston in her own right. Yeah, um, I'm trying real hard to believe that, Blair. I, I just have a sinking feeling you're setting us up for the kill here. The only killing I'll be doing is with kindness. Still, killing is killing when you're involved, isn't it? Ray, you know, I'm actually happy for Stacy too. I mean, she's she's really taking responsibility for her life. Okay, and so you're an authority on that now? Well, I'm, I'd like to think that I am, Ray. I've really applied myself since the last episode. I can, I can explain here, if I may. And here comes the tape recorder. Yeah, I'll just uh, <clears throat> pop my cassette in and get going. We've gone over how you... No, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Would you have told Picasso there's more to the world than cubes and pointed bosoms? Leave Phil to his idiosyncrasies. Destiny wouldn't want us to change a thing. I thought that was the point of Destiny, that you can't change anything. Guys, Destiny doesn't exist. Just listen to my story. Like a lot of people I know, I was raised by a Christian family and abandoned the faith sometime when I was a teenager. When I began to question everything. Authority, the status quo, the media, everything. It's confusing and exciting when you come to realize that everything you've been raised to believe to be true is not true. 
and that it's all been a story told and passed along for generations to keep life moving along what is thought to be a safe path. Before there were cops and a justice system, it probably was a safer path than the alternative. It was a brilliant idea thought up by the smart folks way back in the desert days to create a fear of an almighty God to keep people in check, keep people from stealing, from killing, from raping and pillaging. But we don't need that fear of God anymore to keep us in check. It felt so great to let go of that fear as I started growing into a man. But at the same time, I let go of the only path I knew. I no longer identified as a Christian or had desires of settling down with a wife, two kids, a dog, and a nine to five. But what did I want? To find a more authentic, sustainable, and moral way of living? A more meaningful existence? How would I figure out what that was for me? I would have to search, seek, explore. I was no longer a churchgoer, but I identified as spiritual, and I was on a spiritual journey, and I would look for signs and meaning along the way to guide me. Well, after 15 years, it started to become more and more clear that the search was never coming to an end. I thought I was agnostic, but here I was convinced that the universe was communicating with me. If some thing happened, it was a sign from the universe that I should do this and then I'd find happiness. But where was that happiness? I thought I'd let go of the fear of an almighty God, but instead I just repackaged it all. I renamed God the universe and my Bible was a never-ending scavenger hunt where I looked for clues outside of myself on where I should take my sad life next. <laughs> Man, my logic was so off. But now, now I finally know that there is no meaning to any of this. The universe isn't communicating anything to me. What I had forgotten was that I am the fucking universe. Good evening. I'd like to thank all of you for choosing to participate in this workshop. I would like to invite you to look up at the stars on a clear night when you can really see what's out there and ask those stars for what you want or tell them your problems. Go ahead and scream at them. I'm a victim because of this. I deserve this, and I'm not getting it. All this bad stuff keeps happening to me. Blah, 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 blah. This is the voice of Warner Airhorn, the founder of Airhorn Seminars Training, better known as AST. And it was his workshop that finally shook me out of my confusion and helped me rediscover the power that lies within me. In three 12-hour days, from last Friday through last Sunday, he guided me out of the endless scavenger hunt I had been calling my life. It sounds silly, doesn't it? 
We know that the stars up there don't care about us. They're not going to respond to our cries for help or our desires because they're fucking stars. And we know this. So why do we choose to live like we're powerless over our lives? Like our destiny is already set by this magical puppet master and we just have to suffer through this puppet show. Well, we don't have to suffer. We just aren't aware that we don't have to. There is no destiny set. You are in control of your life and you just haven't been at the wheel to direct it. The wheel is there. Grab a hold of it. That's the sound of an actual air horn that he uses to punctuate his points. I know, I know. This guy is loud, abrasive, and doesn't seem like the guru you'd expect typical old Phil O'Malley to cozy up to. His word stings. He's offensive and screams at you like the football coach I never had. Okay, so uh, well, let's get some more questions from the audience or some feeling or something or anything. Uh, yeah, right, right here. Oh, great. Come on up. And you, and you, and you. Hi, I'm Phil O'Malley. Um, I've, I'm get, I've been feeling kind of lost lately. I, I've always been waiting for the universe to give me signs. And, I, you know, I, I see signs everywhere to tell me, go here, go there. They're... They're everywhere. Like, I kind of thought my destiny was just to be on a spiritual journey to figure out a more moral and sustainable life. Phil, let me just say something. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't think you know what you're talking about. Lost? Yeah, you might be. Sustainable, spiritual path, sign. Here's a sign. Slippery when wet. What does that mean, Phil? Where are you? Well, I'd be in a, in a lobby of a, a freshly mopped floor. Yeah, I'd you know say. what I'm going to say, Phil? You're full of shit. What? Yeah, you're full of shit, Phil. You're full of shit with me. You're full of shit with yourself. You're full of shit with everyone else in this room. You're full of shit. What do I do now? Where do I go? What? What? what what's, what's my journey from here on out? Phil, I can't give you answers. Only you can. And it starts by admitting that you're full of shit. And it's great. You're a big bag of shit, and it's fantastic. I'm a big bag of shit. Give him a big hand, everyone. Thanks, Phil. Hand over the microphone to someone else. Here, Teresa. It's like he knew everything about me. His words hit me in the chest like an eagle. I don't know, but it, well, it was intense. He was exactly right. After all my searching and endless seeking, somehow I was lost. But the only thing I seemed to know was that I wasn't finding the answers I was looking for. Could not knowing be the answer? Or was the answer something that I didn't know that I didn't know? That part made my brain hurt and chest tighten up at first, but then I started to feel something crack open in me as I continued to listen. Do you ever know what you don't know? Sure. Sometimes it's easy to know what you don't know. There's information you just don't have, and you may simply do research to find the answer. You can be aware that there is information that you don't have, but can you even be aware of what you don't know that you don't know? Let that sink in for a moment. 
Allow yourself to live in that space of knowing that there are things that you don't know you don't know. Did you feel that magic? That magical feeling? That life just may have some surprises left for you. Maybe, just maybe, life has more to offer you and surprise you with than you've ever glimpsed in your imagination. Or better yet, let me rephrase that. You have more to offer your life than you ever imagined before because everything is empty and meaningless. And it's empty and meaningless that it's empty and meaningless. There is no God in control of you. You are not at the will of the universe. There is no destiny. You are the fucking universe and you can make the life you want by taking action right now. And that is what I have done. I took action immediately and have put together a business plan to sell nature sound compact discs from the many recordings I've made. I'm not sorry to say this will be my last episode of this podcast. I hope you all enjoyed listening to me explore one existential crisis after another. I guess I thought that was my destiny. But what I didn't know was that I didn't know that there is no such thing as destiny. It's all empty and meaningless, and it's empty and meaningless that it's empty and meaningless. So I might as well take off finally make some money so I can have a happy life for once. This is Philip Daniel O'Malley signing off. All right, Phil, I wish you the best of luck with all that. Thank you, Ray. I know you probably think I'm crazy, but you know what? And no offense, that doesn't mean anything. That's just a label. I create my own meaning through... That's great, old boy. You've really found your own philosophy. That's important, and I like it. I thought you were all about destiny. I am. Well, you know that Phil is apparently against that now, right? Yeah, and I understand his point of view. It doesn't matter if you do, and it doesn't matter if you don't. See, aren't you both talking about different things, or do you not know what destiny even means? To me, destiny means love and new beginnings. No, okay, nope. so uh, I really don't think that's what... <laughs> well, well, do you then, even understand what... <laughs> allow me to explain. Sure, roll the segment. Oh, it it's not pre-recorded. I'm just going to relay the story in real time. That is until destiny intervenes. <sighs> well, I guess we'll be here forever then, because that's never going to happen. Just let him go, Phil. He'll tire himself out. After the last episode, my ego was in shambles. Much like Sisyphus at the bottom of the hill. Phil had been right. My entire reason for wanting to do this show was to escape the feeling of loneliness. Of course, recording a podcast wasn't the only thing that helped me hold back the darkness. My good friend, Old Overholt, was always there during the downtime between episodes, and he was waiting for me more eagerly than ever when we finished our last recording session. 
But, like a sclerotic stranger, I stood him up and soon found myself at a local Alcoholics Anonymous. Hi there. It wasn't the first time I dropped in on a meeting, and this time there was an old familiar face. Why, hello! Jeremy Beauregard? Um, isn't it Alcoholics Anonymous? Should you really be outing someone like that? It's no matter, Ray. I'm sure young Beauregard would see it as just part of the recovery process. Sorry. Uh, Clearly, I'm the asshole here for being concerned about broadcasting someone's personal struggle. If you don't mind, I'd like to get back to my struggle. There's a reason I brought up Beauregard. You see, he became more than just my AA sponsor, helping me through all the steps. He became the conduit between me and my daughter. You found her? Wow, Blair, see? You really grabbed a hold of the universe. No, quite the opposite, my friends. She found me. I'm telling you, it was destiny, and all thanks to this show. Okay, so it does seem like you understand what destiny means. More than you realize, Ray. You see, I was going through the 12 steps, and I had reached the infamous number 9. Uh, yeah, I don't recall you asking for my forgiveness. Don't rush me, old boy. I'm getting to that. My first matter of business was to find my daughter and apologize to her. But I couldn't even find her mother. She, having severed all ties with me after the Bengali Fjord affair, might as well have been in witness protection. And perhaps she was, come to think of it. The Bengalis still have a price on my head, no doubt. In any case, that's when my dear Beauregard came to me with some news. You see, I'm going to have to digress for a moment. I mean, if you didn't do that, I'd truly believe you were possessed. After Beauregard's star turn as an elf in episode two... See, no apologies for that. Not, not that I need an apology to be in control of my life. I... Yes, after his unfortunate but nevertheless excellent performance as an elf... Beauregard began to seek other acting gigs. He actually had some success right away, though the only parts he was getting, based on his reel, were more woodland characters. At one point, he was auditioning for a radio adaptation of the 1982 Smurfs Christmas special. Are you serious? (laughs) What has radio come to? (laughs) Actually, it's for satellite radio. Did you know there's a storytelling channel? Oh, I know. For a second, I even thought about pitching them our show, but then I realized they're just a bunch of corporate sellouts with too much money and no talent. This just proves it. I mean, would you really want to be on the same channel that's airing a radio remake of the Smurfs? Say what you will about the Smurfs, Ray, but they really embraced who they were. I mean, brainy Smurf, grouchy Smurf, hefty Smurf. There sure wasn't an undecided Smurf or a waiting for a sign from the universe Smurf. I only wish I had paid more attention to their message as a kid. Well, if there's an audience for radio adaptations of 1980s children's cartoons, then I'm just glad I'm getting out of this business. Well, we don't all have other jobs to turn to, Ray. So I'll thank you to not comment on the next part of the story, which is that Beauregard convinced me to also audition for a part in the Smurfs Christmas special. Of course, you'd make the perfect... Bogomel? Yes, that's what Beauregard thought as well. I suppose I had that coming, but I was tired of playing the antagonist, and for the sake of my recovery I needed to try something else, so I auditioned for another character. This is Blair Clemens reading for the part of Papa Smurf. 
There is one power, power greater than of evil, the power of love. You must sing, my little Smurfs. Sing as you've never sung before. <coughs> la 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 la. Music comes in. Is that where? Is that where we're working with? That was amazing. When I hear your voice, I hear the voice of a father. Uh, perhaps if the conversion rate from rupee to dollar during the Bengali Fjord affair wasn't as... I need as... to stop you right there. Did you say Bengali Fjord affair? Uh, yes, uh, the, the Bengali Fjord affair. Are you my papa? Uh, well, you just did seem to offer me the part. <laughs> oh, but it turns out it was a part that had been cast some decades earlier. The mother of my child had sprinkled enough of the truth onto her half-baked lives about my true background and whereabouts that this woman was able to recognize me as her father. Finally, now we're getting somewhere. So, the program manager at Satellite Storytelling is your daughter? That's right. Um, okay, so if this is what you mean by destiny, then I would just like to point out that it's more of a coincidence. Or hoax. Let's not forget that Blair isn't afraid to manufacture drama. Not that I care at this point. There you go, Ray. That's the spirit. There's no meaning in any of this. That's what I'm trying to show Blair. I'm with you, Phil. Not for the reasons you think. I just want to get this over with. And this is precisely the kind of tepid, bordering on outright calumnious response I was banking on. You say you don't believe me? You say you don't care? Well, how about I submit to a paternity test on the air? And how do you propose to go about that? I've brought destiny with me. <laughs> All right. Can you just stop with the destiny BS? It doesn't even make sense when you use it like that. Hold on, Phil. Uh, I think I see what's happening here. Okay, so when... Blair is saying destiny. He's not talking about fate. He's saying the actual name of his daughter. Her name is Destiny. Isn't that right, Blair? Yes, but this isn't some sort of gotcha moment. There's no cat in my bag. Or at least last I checked. Oh, no? Then how come I happen to know for a fact that the program manager at Satellite Storytelling isn't named Destiny Clemens? Booyah! Because she hasn't been going by her birth name. Her mother started calling her something else after we separated. It's a long story, but it was her way of spiting me. Anyway, enough questions. If you truly want to get on with this show, let me bring in my daughter. Destiny, come hither. Phil, Phil, I don't know what he's up to, but you've got to help me shut this down, whatever it is. I thought you didn't care. I care enough not to have some practical joke played on me. Hello, boys. Let me guess. You're Ray. Uh, yes. Hi. So that must mean this tall glass of water is Phil. <laughs> uh, hey there. I had no idea there was so much man behind that timid-sounding voice. <laughs> and, uh, and I had no idea Blair had such good genes. <laughs> Jesus, Phil. And that's actually what we're here to find out. So about the paternity test... Yeah, exactly. How are you planning to do that? I, I don't have a blood testing lab on retainer. I'm not Maury Povich here. It's actually quite simple. Voice analyzation technology is now capable of determining, with reasonable accuracy, genetic likeness. Um, how reasonable, exactly? About 73%. <laughs> That's not so bad, right, Ray? Whatever. 
Well, it is free, and I thought it seemed like a fitting test to perform on a radio program like this. Oh, it's fitting, and how pathetic it is, but uh, I still don't even get why you're trying to prove this to us. Because I want to show you I've changed. Yeah, come on, Ray. I mean, let's end this on a positive note. If, even if it doesn't matter, at least we'll have made the decision, right? In case none of you have noticed, I am not stopping anyone. By all means, please go ahead with it, and as quickly as possible. All right, then. I just need to tell your audio engineer what to do. I thought you'd never ask. Who am I speaking with? Hey, Professor, it's me, Mike. Mike? Well, this is a pleasant surprise. You know each other? Mike's one of my students. I'm also a department head in Mike's program. Oh, for fun. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> well, are you, are you like also one degree of separation from Kevin Bacon? <laughs> Mike, you know exactly what to do then. Papa and I are going to say the same sentence. Then you run the voice comparison application. It will sequence the cadence and timbre of our voices and turn out a likeness reading. You got it, Professor. Okay, Papa. Just say something, whatever comes to mind. Uh, let's see. How about, if Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. Oh, this is really weird. (laughs) Oh, you're so funny, Papa. If Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. Got it. It's audio sequencing now. It's a match! Huzzah! Oh, yes! Yes. That's great, you guys! What does that even mean? It means she's my daughter. It means I wasn't lying to you. It means... Go ahead. Tell him. It means I've learned a valuable lesson about family. You don't give up on them. And that's why I don't want us to give up on this show. You're all a part of my family now. I wouldn't have found destiny without you guys. I appreciate the sentiment, Blair, but I've I've already made my decision. What if I told you I'd be willing to add What's the Story to our roster of shows? Not only would you be reaching millions of people, you'd be getting paid more than any of those NPR shows you like so much. How about it, old boy? Ira Glass called you the next big thing, and I agree. But you know what? Why be Ira Glass big when you can be Howard Stern big? I have the resources to help you do that. Oh, okay. I see. So, uh, yeah, this was the plan all along, huh? Gosh, I, I can't believe I'm saying this now, but... <laughs> yes! Yes, this was the plan! This was the universe's plan all along! It's too perfect to be random. Her name is Destiny, and she is literally showing us our destiny! Phil, jeez, you're falling for, for it. For what? Don't you see? They want me to sell out. They want to put this show on national private radio, and I guess they figured this heartwarming story would convince me to do it. Hell, this whole Destiny thing is just a ploy to swing you to their side. She didn't even start going by that name until Blair found her. Well, perhaps Phil would be interested in hearing the other name she goes by. Yeah, let's hear it. It's Pippa. See? Nothing remarkable about that. I, I, I suppose. I mean, although Pippa and Papa, that, I mean, that's kind of cute. <laughs> That it is. But Destiny, why don't you tell us what Pippa is short for? Philippa. That's like the girl version of... Wait, wait. So what? That that doesn't matter either. It's 
just another coincidence. Oh, it matters, Ray. You see, after the Bengali fuel affair, the wife ran off with baby Destiny and took up with a paramour of her own. She renamed our daughter after him, making it quite clear I was to have no part in child-rearing. I could have fought it, but some part of me felt that I deserved to be banished for casting such aspersions onto our family. So that's how I became the belligerent, loathsome creature you all met. The insults I leveled at friends like you were really just means to punish myself. I wanted to be hated because I hated myself. But all that's changed now, and I want to apologize. Phil, you probably deserve it more than anyone, by no fault of your own. Only the misfortune of having the same name as my ex-wife's lover, you bore the brunt of my truculence. Oh, uh, Mr. Blair, you're forgiven. I mean, how can I stay mad when every sign is pointing to this as being predestined? Ray, how do you not see this? We're supposed to continue the show. We've got support for it now. And I'm supposed to fall in love with... <clears throat> I mean, I'm supposed to fall in line with the grand plan of the universe. Oh, Phil. We can carry on without you, Ray. I mean, you said you didn't think you had the talent for this anyway. We could probably make a few improvements of our own. Of course, we keep the name at least as a nod to your creation. Oh, of course, Ray. I mean, we would never forget you. Uh, Hang on. Why don't you stay on board, old boy? We need you. You're family. But perhaps Destiny could take over as host. You know, to relieve some of the stress and pressure. That way you can just enjoy producing radio again. That's an amazing idea. I mean... Yours was good, too, Destiny, but maybe this could work for everyone. Oh, I agree. Let's do it that way. I'll take over the responsibility of running the show. You agree then, Ray? Uh, I... Perfect! See? When Destiny's involved, you don't have to think. Splendid. This is the best day ever! What is happening? Well, I think I nailed this thesis. Thanks, everyone. Oh, that's right. This was your thesis. Well, guess what? Now it's a job. There's just one thing. We need to figure out how to wrap up the episode. Can anyone think of a fitting way to send us off? Yeah, uh, maybe the Imperial March? Oh, I know. Everyone follow my lead. La 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 with feeling, old boy. Okay. La 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 la